Hi there, this is Pastor Tim. I'm the minister at Eastside Church. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, and inclusive. And we are thrilled that you found our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, you can visit us at www.eastsideatl.org. Well, again, friends, good morning. If I've not had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Tim, and I'm in the minister here at Eastside. And as it is each Sunday, it is a privilege to be with you all in worship. And if you are a guest with us, we are grateful that you have chosen to be with us here at Eastside this morning. And if you are a guest with us, it may be helpful for you to know that we are in the tail end, on the tail end of something of a three-year journey. We've been walking through what's known as the Revised Common Lectionary, or as most often abbreviated, just the lectionary. And pastors and priests from across denominations and theological traditions are encouraged to occasionally sync up with these readings, with the church and with the life of their community. And we have been on this journey now for two and a half, almost three years, and it's a three-year cycle that has Two readings from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, and there's generally two readings from the New Testament. Last Sunday, we looked at the Gospel text. This Sunday, we're going to be looking at the Epistle, and an Epistle is a letter, and most of these letters were written by the Apostle Paul to ancient church communities, and two Sundays ago, Josh Cohen walked us through the Colossians reading, and we're going to jump back to the book of Colossians on this morning. And know that the letter to the Colossians is a theologically dense writing. It's pretty intense stuff. Paul packs a lot of theology pretty much into every sentence in this letter. And in this morning's reading, we're going to encounter what I would argue is Paul's high regard for human potential. Paul, in this reading, he believes that we humans, we can actually grow. We can actually change for the better. We can actually change our script and live as what Paul in another place describes as the new humanity. Because of what Jesus has accomplished, all human beings have the potential to change, to be made new. Now, Paul uses what is arguably some kind of ancient language using an ancient understanding of the world, kind of a three-tiered universe. He uses lots of up language. He speaks to Jesus' ascension, and he's doing it in such a way that he is calling us to look to the ascended Christ and to live up to that. So friends, without further introduction, as you're able, if you would please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture, found in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes to this ancient Christian community. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated with, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is in you that is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is in all and in all. Friends, the word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. God of transformation, God of new life, on this morning we ask that you would breathe a new breath on us. God, I pray that you'd give us open hearts to receive these words that I have prepared. I pray that as I preach them, they might be your word for your people in this time. And God, I ask that you would preach through them, speak through them, and as necessary in spite of me. And as I preach, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts in this time would indeed be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, our rock, God, our redeemer, Christ our Lord. And everyone said, amen, friends, you may be seated. So my children went back to school this week. Thank speed to God. <laughs> but before they went back, my oldest son set out on a new project. He has been writing a book. Now, this isn't the first time he's set out to write a book. There's a document on the family computer that I believe is titled Draggy the Dragon or something to that effect. But this most recent book that he has decided to write, he's not using a word processor. He's handwriting it, and he's illustrating it along the way. And in the spirit of, I think, building off of Captain Underpants, he has decided to entitle it Diaper Man. (laughs) But here's the thing about handwriting and illustrating a book. You get to not only write the script... Not only do you get to creatively color in the artwork, you get to physically turn the page and discover another open-ended potential for new reality, a blank sheet of paper, a blank piece of paper beckoning you to make decisions, to use your volition, to use your freedom, to decide what gets placed on that page. You get to take part in writing the story. Writing a book is a big act. It takes a lot to write a book. But writing and illustrating at the same time, now that's a big task that my son has taken on. As I've already mentioned, our text this morning is dense, and it uses the language of height. The Apostle Paul is aiming to make this large statement. One that for many might cause us to shrink back a bit. 
Because Paul is making this huge statement about you and about me and about humanity and about those who have sought to undergo the Christian life. He's making a statement about what it means to be a participant in the saving work of God in this life, in this world. He makes a statement about what the late author Brennan Manning described as present risenness or risenness. Our text this morning is about resurrection and it's about ascension. On Easter, Resurrection Sunday, we mark and we celebrate the reality that Christ passed through death into new life on the other side. Jesus experienced human transformation. In Christ, God defeated death and began a whole new creation. Through Christ, God turned to a new page. God began writing a new story. You see, Paul's point in our text this morning is that Jesus began a new story, and it is a story that isn't just for Jesus. It's a story that starts with him, but that has this infectious nature to it. It's a story that God is inviting all of humanity to be a part of. In Christ, God was turning a new page, authoring a new chapter in the story of humanity, creating something new. Now, on a morning like this, with two mass shootings within the last 24 hours, we don't have to look hard to see that humanity is a little broken. Amen? Lord, have mercy. But to bring it down a little more personal, what about the tone that we used with that person at the checkout counter because they were a little bit annoying or took too long? Or what about the way we spoke to our spouse or our children this morning as we were rushing around trying to get ready for church. We don't have to get into all the really dark stuff, though we know it's there. But just the day-to-day stuff reveals to us that we're broken, we're not perfect. And depending on your Enneagram numbers, some of us really wish we were perfect, but none of us are. I saw that. And God knows that. Jesus knew that, Paul knows that, but that's kind of the whole point. Through Christ, we have access to the power to change, to do better, to be made new, and to make new. We all wake up in this world, and whether we realize it or not, we begin writing a story. Some of us passively write a story. Some of us are much more intentional about how we write. Some of us don't even realize that we're writing a story until we reach our mid-twenties and we wake up. Some wake up to existence earlier than others and take the reins. But regardless, from the moment we reach the age of volition, we begin writing. Your life is a story. It is a book that is in process. It is a narrative that you are writing. It's not a drama that was pre-scripted that you're just kind of living out. It's not a preordained reality that you're simply walking through. God didn't write everything that you would do ahead of time. You are the largest determining factor in your life. And of course, other people can have an impact on how free we are. That's true but you are still the largest determining factor in your life, and you get to decide how, you get to decide what you're going to write. 
In our text this morning, Paul is making the argument that in Christ, we can turn the page. Whatever story we've been writing, however good or bad or indifferent, in Christ, we get the chance to start something new or to continue our story in a transformed way. Your life up to this point has had some comedy, probably some tragedy, some joys, some darkness. But Paul says that because of Jesus, because of the work God has accomplished through Christ, wherever you have been, whatever you have or have not done, you can turn the page and begin to write a new story. Friends, this is an Easter and an Ascension passage. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, God is at work in each of us seeking to raise us from the dead. Paul writes that we are hidden in and with Christ. I think what he means by that is even now, currently, in our present, our futures are already tied up with Jesus' resurrection. That is good news. We are hidden in the resurrection life here now today. We have the power to practice resurrection. Even in the midst of the death and decay that we see around us, we have the power to live as new creations, to be new humans, to be a new humanity, to be different, to write a better story. Last Sunday, after worship, we had our yearly church leadership retreat, and the question we asked at the outset was, what is our why? What is our why? This is an important question for each of us to ask in all dimensions of our lives. It's actually a really helpful way into meditation and into contemplation as well to reflect on what is my why? Why are you doing, acting, being in the way that you are? What is your why? Why that job? Why that response? Why that relationship? Why that lunch meeting on that day? What is the why for the things in your life? And since the retreat, I've been thinking about this question almost obsessively. And I've really been thinking about it, about it theologically and as a Christian. I am a Christian. Why? Is it so that I don't go to a bad place when I die? It's not a terribly compelling story. I don't want to devote my life to simply avoiding something bad. What is the Christian why? I think Paul names it in our reading this morning. Human transformation. The Christian why is to grow into the likeness of the Christ. It's salvation which leads us into sanctification, to use a good Wesleyan term. It's to grow. It's to be transformed, friends. It's to experience a resurrected life now. Christianity is so much more than simply saying the right prayer so that something bad doesn't happen when we die. That's a boring story. Christianity is about doing the work that you need to do so that you can become the human that God is calling and beckoning you to become. It's about ascension. It's about you striving towards the heights of your divine potential right now in your life, 
not waiting for anything. Your life does not have to stay static. Your story does not have to stay stuck. It does not have to stay on the same trajectory that it's currently on. You can walk out of here through those red doors, and you can pull out a blank sheet of paper and start doing things differently. You can alter your narrative. What is your why? Not just for being Christian, but for being human. What's your why for being alive right now? For being here now, why? Why do any of this? Why are you doing the things that you are doing in your life? Why? Some of you might need to take some time this week and step outside of the room and ask yourself the question to reflect on it. Maybe not just in terms of your faith, but in many areas of your life. Why are you doing what you're doing? What are you doing with your one beautiful, precious bit of existence? Paul argues that in Christ, God has turned the page for humanity. And our why is an invitation to look to our big brother and imitate him. In Christ, God does not just leave us as we are. Yes, we still have to do the work. We have to study the Gospels, study our big brother. Everything isn't just spelled out explicitly. But friends, we have the image of God in human form in the Christ. We have four Gospels that we can read and learn how to pattern our lives. We're called to be imitators of the Christ and so imitating to be transformed. And as we do, we become more and more of who it is God wants us to become of God's dream for your story. And I know that I probably sound like a broken record when I say this, but it bears repeating probably every Sunday. Christ taught and lived in extreme love of God and an extreme love of the neighbor. An overflowing love towards the divine and an overflowing love towards those human beings within our vicinity. The framing why for us as Christian people is to live extravagantly into the image of Christ, boldly into the image of Christ. We are called to pattern the entirety of our lives after the pattern of the Christ. And Paul says, we've been buried with Christ. He's using baptismal language here. And he says, we are being raised with Christ. He says, we are hidden participants in his future resurrection. Paul's calling us to look up, to grow up, to use a good Atlanta phrase, to rise up, to present risenness. We're called to write remarkable stories with our lives, my friends. And we're called to change our clothes. Paul says, take off the old rags of the old self and put on the new way of Jesus. Take off the old way of being human and put on this new way. It's a better story. So friends, where in your life do you need to reassess some things? Where in your life do you need to ask why? It is a great tool to assess what we're doing. Where in your life is God calling you to set something down so that you can pick something else up? 
Where in your life is God calling you to better? For some of you in the room, it may be time for a whole new chapter. To close that, start with a fresh sheet of paper. For some, they may not need a complete start over, but you maybe need to make some tweaks and some edits to the way that you're living your life. Some small incremental change to the way that you're loving God and loving your neighbor and loving yourself. Friends, we are imperfect, but we are made in the image of God, which means that we are made good. You may not feel like it, but you are good. And you are loved. We are broken, but the healer wants to heal us. We are old. Some of us are older than others. But God wants to make us new. Are we cooperating with the divine who is seeking to work with us to help us write better stories with our lives? This morning's passage is about experiencing the resurrection life now. It's about human ascension, not then, but now, today. It is about what we are capable of walking out those doors and doing. God's Spirit at work in our lives. Our why is human transformation into the image of the Christ. We all have work to do, amen? The work is never done. It won't be done on this side of history. But that means the story's never finished. There's always a chance for a new sheet of paper. When this creation is complete, the gospel proclaims that God is at work making a whole new one. God is currently writing a whole new story while this one's still taking place. That is the hope of the resurrection, my friends, and that is a good word on a morning like this. Amen? Let us pray. Good and gracious God, God who created humanity in your image, as we look around our world and we see the brokenness that is so evident, we ask that you would use us, your people, your church, to do no harm, to do all the good that we can in this life right now. May you use us, God, as you transform us to transform your creation, to make it new, to make it good. In the name of the Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this week's message, and we look forward to seeing you soon. If you listen from afar and you would like to support the work that we are doing in East Atlanta and on Atlanta's east side, you can visit our website, www.eastsideatl.org, and find our giving portal there.